my name is Scott Chaloner and you are listening to the Leaders' Council podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. Now, as regular listeners of our programme will know very well, part of our mission here at the Leaders' Council is to bring you a variety of distinct perspectives on leadership and current affairs. And to this end, we're joined on today's programme by Max McGillivray, an award-winning expert speaker, MC and facilitator in the international agribusiness and fresh food sectors. Uh, Max, very warm welcome to yourself today and thanks for joining us on the show. It's a real pleasure having you with us. Scott, thank you very much and uh, congratulations on getting my surname uh, correct. I I think I told you when we uh, first uh, (laughs) uh, started talking about this podcast, I was 14 by the time I could spell it, so it's also a a, a standard joke. Just just for uh, your your listeners, Max isn't actually my real name. Max is a a college nickname. I've actually got a Mm. very Gaelic uh, Scottish name that we won't uh, bore your your listeners with uh, today. Um, so yes, I'm, I'm, everyone calls me Matt, so it's a lot, lot easier, but well, well done for getting that, that right. And thank you very much for um, having me on the, the Leaders' Council podcast, very exciting. Yeah, it's exciting as well for me having you join us, uh, Max, and um, very good to uh, just uh, learn a little bit about yourself. And just to kind of expand on that, just for those listeners that might not be sort of familiar with you, um, of course, you're the founder of uh, Beanstalk Global, a media enterprise for the international fresh food industry, and also Red Fox as well, which specialises in executive recruitment for leading clients within that sector as well on sort of a UK-wide and international basis. So I guess sort of first and foremost... um, Looking at your many years of experience in the uh, the industry, I was kind of wondering as to how you kind of got into it all and whether you sort of knew quite early on that sort of going into that industry and indeed going into business for yourself was going to be the way forward for you. Wait, well, Scott, I want to answer that, but I just want to ask you a question. What, what's your view? Do you suffer from imposter syndrome, Scott? Do you? Imposter syndrome, it is something that every so often does tend to crop up. And I think that is something within leadership that we can certainly all relate to from a point of view. So, yes, I would certainly uh, relate to that. The, the, the reason for that, there's a great interview on Times Radio. I think it was every oh, March of this year where they were interviewing Tony Blair. And the interviewer uh, asked Tony Blair directly, uh, Tony, uh, do you suffer from imposter syndrome? And there was this, uh, this theatrical uh, gap, pause, and then he stated, what's that? Which <laughs> I always find quite, quite entertaining when I, when I think of someone as strong and as powerful and erudite as, as Tony Blair. Um, today, I feel a bit, a bit of an imposter looking at the number of people that you've had on your podcast from global leaders to, to MPs, because I'm, I'm not a leader. Uh, what I am is, a, is um, I believe, it, is, a, is a communicator. So I don't have a, um, an agricultural or, or a food background. I come from a, an academic family. So the uh, area I grew up in uh, down in Sussex it was, uh, a, it was a great farming community and I started um, on working on farms when I was 13, 14, um, milking cows and um, uh, running around after, after pigs. And I got the farming bug and once you're into farming, it's something that you can't really get um, out of you because it is a very fulfilling lifestyle to have. I'm just looking out um, across some beautiful um, farmlands and um in the, in, the, in the eastern regions here today, and I'd rather see that sort of view than being sat on a on a train and travelling into uh, into London. So I started my farm, farming career um, in that I went to a, a very well recognised uh, university for for the sector called Harper Adams, which has gone in strength to strength since I've been there. Um, and then I worked for the trade organisation for the NFU's National Farmers Union. Um, I was then a grain trader uh, for uh, two three years. But at, at this, this time in the mid nineties, there was a number of my um, cohort from college had got into the fresh produce sector and in the, in the mid-90s there was a real explosion within UK within fresh produce as bag salads of all things 
uh, became very, very exciting. As, as, the, as the consumer got more educated as to uh, products, um, and um, farmers and growers realized that if they actually um, added value to their, their products, they could gain more income and grow uh, bigger businesses. I was a grain trader. I saw all my friends in the in the salad sectors and the fresh produce sectors doing well. So I approached a recruitment company to see if they could give me a job um, either directly in that sector or as a, as a supermarket buyer. But they identified very quickly that um, I had a, a very good connection, um, a very good black book of, of contacts. And so if there's one thing that you need within recruitment, as everyone will know, is, the, is those connections. Mm. So I, I then went into the wacky world of, um, of recruitment. Um, I worked for a couple of companies before we set up our own recruitment company, Red Fox, some 20, 20 years ago. Um, and today we work sourcing mid-management to board-level people um, in the UK and overseas. We've got some really interesting roles on the go in Texas and South Africa and Australia, as well as um, in, in the UK. Where, where I feel very blessed in that role is that I've, I've seen so many uh, changes, whether that be the change of, of product movement um, into East Africa and away from East Africa for, for political reasons, seeing the, the, the rise of plant-based food, seeing the demise of some other sectors like the potato sector suffering whilst the consumers um, is, uh, is looking to go to more, more towards um, pasta products. So we have this recruiting business, but I'm a marketeer. I'm not really a, a, a recruiter. Um, and I've sat in front of so many um, company uh, bosses and some very large businesses from 200 to a billion um, selling turnover, and they all um, they all state the same the same thing that these these, these companies. But well, I still can't get my head around it. Some of these companies with these massive turnovers, they're getting sub two percent margin from their own customer being being the retailer. And it's a conversation mm. for another time. Basically, there's a problem within fresh food that if you can't brand it, um, say say like the power brands that come out of Unilever and, and Nestle, it's very difficult to be able to negotiate to get a, a decent margin. So when I'm stepping in front of a, a client and they've got a 200 million pound turnover, bringing fruit in from all oh, slightly 40 different countries um, into major retailers, and they're only getting two percent margin, it's so difficult for them to invest in those businesses, let alone create any any form of branding. So I've done a number of things um, over the years to try and assist this sector, and probably the best one that I was that, that I was known for was uh, five years ago. I rode a motorbike from London to, to Cape Town to promote fresh fresh produce. Mm. And in that trip, we did 80,000 kilometers, 18 different countries. Uh, we went to 50 different farms. We had a quarter of a million kids following us in, in real time. When I came back, I did oh, 50 plus school presentations with my with my motorbike. Um, and we performed at uh, a number of Chris Evans car fests about, um, about, about fresh produce. So we were just trying to create the point of difference. And the, the sector supported us with that, and uh, Scott, we managed to blag a couple of bikes off Triumph, who, 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 were, very, who were very brave in, uh, in, in uh, uh, adopting us to, 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 to go for this journey through, through Africa and not ruin the, the machines and not die, die in the process. But as part of that, I could see that there was something else that we needed to do, and that's why we created a media platform called Beanstalk, Beanstalk Global. And over the pandemic, we've done 250 broadcasts looking to promote this sector. We've seen from everyone from the United Nations to the key industry groups and we're now trying to get out of the zoom square the desk um and go more in person and next week um, um i'm off to orlando for the international fresh produce association it's a huge trade group in the in, in in the state um, i'm out to their main uh, event the global produce and floral show to run, run a bunch of live interviews uh, for them and for the sponsors to promote 
the, the sector. So the, the sector, everyone that's involved in, in ag and, uh, and fresh produce, we do believe that we're in a, in, a, in a zeitgeist at the moment that people want to uh, be healthier and the best way to, to be healthier mm. is to eat well and, and to do to do more, more exercise. So for all your listeners, they'll, they'll have their favourite uh, fresh, fresh produce um, uh, out there. Uh, we we have worked with it on either a recruitment perspective or hopefully uh, filmed it. And I'm, I'm very blessed in the, in the role that I've, uh, I've created for yeah, certainly so. And I think you're very, very right, uh, for sure, in that certainly since the uh, the COVID-19 pandemic, I think we're a lot more aware of exactly what we're putting into our bodies, aren't we, and the importance of sort of healthy lifestyle and sort of healthy habits, because we're much more aware of our own mortality. And so that's certainly one thing that's come out of uh, recent months, let's say. Um, another, of course, which is um, it's hugely important in the sector is also the topic of food security. And that's come out of, obviously, of course, what's happened in uh, Ukraine and the disruption to sort of grain trade and produce coming out of that yep. country uh, but as well as that um, it's uh, it's climate change as well isn't it we're seeing sort of talk of the floods in Pakistan also potentially causing disruption to the food supply so that's also feeding into the discussion now isn't it too it, it, it is and the, the, the issue that we've, we've got Scott is that we've educated the consumer in the western world to expect products um, 12 months of the year um, 24 hours of the of the day in our parents generation crikey avocados uh, we're, we're never about, and, and being able to get uh, strawberries in December was was just a just just not not a thing. Um, but we we created this uh, this, this the, the average the average medium sized supermarket in, in the UK, Scott, holds thirty two thousand different lines of of products, um, wow. and most of those are, are are food. And does the consumer actually require them? But then we're, we're in this oddity, especially within our sector. I'm just going to give you. For example, I've, I've got a, um, a business that I absolutely adore. It's called Blue Skies. And it's a great story. Uh, 24 years ago, a captain came out of the military, went to Ghana, having never been, been there before, and started slicing pineapples under palm trees, 10 locals uh, in Accra, the, the capital of Ghana. Today, it is the largest private employer in, in Ghana, employs 4,500 people, and there's an ecosystem of 35,000 people that hang off that, that business. If you buy any slice of diced fruit from Waitrose Sainsbury's M&S, it's likely to have come from, from their business. The issue that, that they've created for, for themselves is that that product has to be air freighted from Ghana to the UK um, every, every day. Um, and then you get into these issues of, what, 10 years ago, we, we had the um, issues of the volcanic ash storm and it nearly killed the business, but they mm. um, actually remortgaged his house to keep the, 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 the business going. And it, and it went it went from strength to strength. It's now going to start in Brazil, Benin, Egypt, South Africa. But but the issue that they're coming across now is that all their product is in plastic, and also all the product has been um, air freighted. Um, so what do we do? Do we stop buying that that product because we, we don't really need pineapples um, on our on our plate in the, in the middle of December? Uh, but then there's an ecosystem of thirty five thousand people in in Ghana hanging off um, this this uh, this business. Likewise, the, the other country areas that they're in. So it's such a, a complex um, area. But the food security element, um, Scott, let's come back to the UK. There's, there's a term in government that I picked up a number of years ago that we are but four missed meals uh, from, from a revolution. Um, that the government is always looking to make sure that there is um, food, food security. And it's fascinating seeing how uh, it is developing in this economic hardship that, that uh, we're currently suffering and, and may continue to suffer them for the next 18 months. Mm. The, the, the sales of the likes of Audi are, are peaking. Uh, the likes of Akade, the online de- delivery um, shop, and 
their their share prices has dropped uh, significantly because the the, the the shopper is moving. So coming back to my point about thirty two thousand different lines in the supermarket, yeah, food security this, this it, it proved itself over the last uh, two years in, in a in a pandemic that food still kept on coming on onto the shelf because of the um, the, the ability, the, the, the skill set within the food sector and also help from, from, from government. But I suspect that we're going to see, see things part down, either because of societal change, that the consumer is going to be uh, buying uh, more commodity products and pushing away high, higher-end elements. But I think generally we're, we're, we're going to be okay over, over the next 18 months. We won't get into this uh, scenario of missed uh, food on, on, on the table, but it's definitely going to create a, a big change and hopefully the consumer will wake up to the fact as to what we actually need on, on our on our plate um, in terms of uh, value and, and nutrition. But then it comes back to this oxymoron that, that, that I've just stated that there are amazing fresh food businesses globally that are supplying the, 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 the Western world. And what do we do? Do we turn off the, the, the tap mm. um, knowing that we don't we, we don't get those products and try and look to do more, more homegrown? But then we have creating that ripple effect on a negative basis in these uh, in, in these uh, external countries. Gosh, it's a fascinating area, and it's, it's, it's not something we're, we're going to uh, come, come, come to a positive solution on our podcast, unfortunately. No, unfortunately not. I think it's something that requires a lot more sort of deep thought and consideration, doesn't it? Because a lot of factors come into play there, don't they? And it's, um, it's of course, obviously nutrition and making sure that, you know, there's a degree of self-sufficiency there. It's the jobs and the employment, of course, that comes out of sort of producing these these products that are being sort of funneled into Western countries as well. Um, it's about sort of consumer spending habits as well. So do we need these products for 12 months of the year, as you've talked about? And obviously, inevitably, when consumer spending habits change, there's going to be ripple effects elsewhere. And um, it's essentially as well sort of food security um, at the same time. I mean, it's like if we essentially wean ourselves off certain products, I mean, are we eventually going to go back to that product if the supply is going to come back at some point? So that there's yeah, so much... We're, 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 Scott, can people give up their, their avocados? I, I, mm. I don't think so. Let, let, let me just give you a quickly just uh, two other examples. I've always been thought that in a, in a, in a world war or a world recession or a world pandemic, if you're in the eating or the cleaning game, uh, you're going to be fine because people have to eat and they have to have to clean. Um, also, what we're picking up on a, on a funding basis is that in the last recession, um, a number of funds uh, ran towards um, farmland, uh, buying up um, farmland on, on a global basis because it's a, it's a safe haven. In this perceived recession that we're, we may be going into um, on, a, on, on a global basis, exactly the same is happening, that these funds whether they're already in the sector or not, they're all investigating farmland, but also they're investigating the ancillary areas of, um, of ag tech. There's, um, there's a lot of conversation, a lot of talk um, around the technology that can be brought in, whether that be AI, whether that be robotics, whether that be vertical farming. So again, as well as um, people looking to eat more fresh produce, we're actually seeing a lot of new entries coming in, whether that be uh, fresh startups or people uh, having never come into the food sector before, that they're actually quite quite interested. Well, let's go for example. Why would you want to work for a company doing R and D on, um, on on munitions on, on on arms when you can work for a business that's doing R and D on how to pick a pick a strawberry, how to make sure that crop in a, in a greenhouse is grown uh, most efficiently through uh, deploying AI? So there's a lot of excitement going on in in, in the sector. 
And, and, and again, that's, that's really encouraging for us because we're not good at promoting ourselves, especially on a, on a career basis. So yeah, it's very exciting that we've got this, this, this fresh tranche of, of investment money and new people coming into the sector. And that's not just in the UK, not just in Europe, that's on a global basis. Yeah, certainly so. And I just want to go back to something else that you mentioned as well about the fact that when you're sort of transporting some of these produce, uh, some of these products rather around the world, um, they're often sort of air freighted, which obviously sort of has its own effect on the environment and also wrapped in plastics as well. So parts of the industry, they're going to have to sort of completely readdress that side of it, sort of how they store their food, how they transport it, what it's packaged in, because with sort of consumer priorities starting to shift sort of towards more sustainable options, you know, they're going to be looking at yeah. food. And it, when, when we look at food, yeah, people just think, oh, it's the move towards perhaps veganism and plant-based foods, don't we? But that's not always the case, is it? Yeah, and I don't think people quite understand the globalisation of food and horticulture. Let's give you the, my, my great horticulture example. Uh, one of our clients, uh, supplies all of the roses for a major re- retailer. Uh, we, Scott, we won't nominate them, but let's just say they've got white and blue in their logo. Um, and, the, and the week before Valentine's Day, um, they are air freighting in from East Africa and uh, South America um, 50,000 roses, no, sorry, 50 million roses um, for, for the, just for the, for the UK market. And, and the bit that I, I can, can't get my, my head around is that it's not like the, it, they're exporting a, a sweet potato or blueberry. This is a plant um, that has been grown with lots of love and care, then wrapped in plastic, stuck in a plane. Um, and the plane is, is just is 90 tons worth of flowers. And it's then being flown halfway around the world um, to then be put in a store uh, so that someone can give um, their, their, their loved one a flower that's going to last all, all three, four days. To, to me, I, I still can't quite get my head around that. But all the stats are showing that um, on special occasions like, like that, it packs us all up. And in a recession, everyone likes to have pot plants and, 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 and fresh plants. But yeah, the whole um, uh, global uh, food chain element, it, it, is, it, is a very, um, it is a a very resourceful element. And, and again, if I could lift off the, the lid and, um, for your podcast to get an understanding as to how it, it, is, it, is, it is such a mercurial um, area and it works so, so well. But again, the consumer... Do we have to re-educate the con- consumers to what they a- actually need? And the whole plastic element, um, everyone is so aware of it. Um, but unfortunately, there, there aren't. There are alternatives, but it comes back to the point I was making um, earlier that um, all of the retailers, um, they will not, they don't want um, them, the retailer or the consumers, to pick up that additional cost for. Um, for, for packaging that's non, non-plastic. They're pushing mm. that cost down to the supplier, and the supplier can't afford to, to, to do that. So I think that there, is, there will be solutions because everyone wants to uh, create, create that solution, but uh, the consumer has to be aware that they need to pay more. They're currently paying more for fuel and, um, and, and energy, and we need to see more food inflation, there I say it, so there can be more investment so we can get, them, get rid of the like of plastic to find um, other other solutions. So, so Scott, I think it's definitely um, coming about, and, and it's, it, is, it is a perfect storm that's going to be actually to all of our uh, advantages. But I think there's going 
there's going to be some broken eggs along the way. Mm. That's the thing, isn't it? It's the short-term pain in the meantime to sort of get to a better place overall. And I think, as you, you're absolutely right, in part of that is going to involve re-educating the, uh, the consumer and also just kind of sitting and reflecting on our habits because we have, as you're rightly, as you're rightly saying, been sucked into this mentality of going into a supermarket and expecting any product that we need to be there. Well, then again, is the need really there? Is it simply a want? I mean, do we really need to be sort of having strawberries in December? It is a very good question, isn't it? And um, as we sort of, um, yeah, and obviously as we kind of consider sort of what the short term is going to bring and how we kind of look to sort of get to that sort of longer term aim, uh, just before we wrap up, Max, just because I'm conscious we're starting to run short of time today, um, what are some of your personal priorities and business priorities, I should say, going to be over, let's say, the next 12 months? Um, what are you going to be working on with your clients and what do you want to see happen over this next year? On, on, a, on a recruitment perspective, we're trying to find the best possible people uh, uh, for our, our clients. I, I, we're, we're educating our clients to not be so um, uh, singularly focused on having experience from the trade. There's, there's so, so many... And there's, there's such a, an, an interesting skill set from other areas that could be deployed into our sector. Mm. And if if um, that person coming in doesn't know the product areas, neither here nor there, the fact that they know the supply chain or the fact that they uh, know um, the, the, the ability to, on how to communicate or business development is, is more, more important. Um, a very good example is military. People coming out of the military, especially at a certain level, they've had quarter of a million, half a million pounds worth of training developed into them and there's just some of the best organized people I've ever come across and deploy them into a business that's got four or five units on a global basis. They're, they're, they're just amazed as to what they can create because they've, they've done it. They've been, been in action. They've done it for the military. So we've got to concentrate with our clients to try and get them to take in more people from out of um, out of sector. And then on our, um, our, our Beanstalk global side, we're doing a lot more work um, overseas. We've got a, another trip to Ghana. We're hoping to go out to India or hoping to go out to Morocco. And this has all got to educate the consumer as to where food comes from. Six out of 10 kids in the UK have got no idea where fresh produce uh, comes from. Mm. And our view is that if we can educate them, it's an amazing story behind uh, some, of, some of these products that, that we see. And just to create really interesting 10-minute, 15-minute videos as to how, how, the, uh, how the product is generated. But one thing that we haven't um, talked about is taste within the sector that we, we deal with. If we can get um, a, a younger individual, instead of uh, drinking a can of um, uh, energy drink age 12 on the way to school, if we can encourage them to eat an apple, and mm. if you've ever uh, eaten a pink lady apple, you just know that crispy feeling, or and other, other fresh produce. So that's our journey that we're going on um, over, over the next year, 18 months, getting our clients to take in more people out of sector and to get the, 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 the consumer more aware as to where amazing fresh produce comes from. And it's a key mission, isn't it? And let's certainly hope that we do see that executed to full effect over the course of the year, the next 12 months and indeed beyond that, because I think it is so, so important that we are educated on sort of where our food comes from and, you know, the importance of getting a good balanced diet into our bodies. And um, I think as well as we start to see everything taking shape, Max, I'd love the opportunity to perhaps welcome you back onto the show in the future just to see how it's all coming together and where just how far we've really come with all of that. Well, I'll better that. Scott, come to India with me. Let, let, let's figuratively hold hands and go on a boat or go, go on, a, on, on, a, on a venture discovery through, through India and see what we find. 
Oh, that I, I, you know, I think diarising that on something like this would make for an incredible experience, wouldn't it? Um, very immersive for sure. And uh, yeah, let's let, let's keep an open mind. Who knows, Max? Um, but thank you ever so much for taking the time initially to, of course, join us on this show today. I mean, it's it's been amazing having you, and certainly enlightening for myself. And I'm sure the listeners do share that sentiment as well. Um, and just a reminder to everybody listening into this podcast today: if you are sort of particularly um, sort of impassioned by the issues that we have discussed today, you can leave your thoughts with us via leaderscouncil.co.uk forward slash contact hyphen us or you can even apply to be on the program and share your perspective bringing it to the discussion table with me your host scott challoner via leaderscouncil.co.uk forward slash apply as well um for now max thanks ever so much for taking the time to join us on the show once more and uh, do take care and let's say let's let's keep an open mind on maybe going on a worldwide voyage excellent scott before we wrap up what's your favorite fresh produce my favourite fresh produce. Very good question, actually. I'm I'm a I'm a big fan of raspberries. Actually, I quite like raspberries. Good shout. Oh yes. Oh, there's nothing. Oh, yeah. Okay. You you you're brilliant. Love it. Love a raspberry. Yeah, fantastic. I um, always like having them with fresh yogurt in the morning as well. Really, really good uh, sort of simple breakfast. Very, very nice indeed. And uh, to all of our listeners tuning into the uh, the programme today as well, um, I hope you have enjoyed your breakfast. So we are recording this podcast at 11 o'clock in the, uh, in the morning. So it's, uh, like I say, I had mine about a couple of hours ago, still settling down really nicely. And uh, to all <laughs> listening in, uh, please do um, enjoy the rest of your weeks and goodbye until next time.